Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. He said, if you guys have never had a chance to meet me, uh, my name is Blake Polston. My lovely wife, Ashley, and I, we actually pastor um, at our downtown Little Rock campus. Uh, but what our primary mission field, uh, we lead a recovery ministry called M18 Recovery. And uh, so some of you guys yeah, may or may not know, um, your church, New Life, um, has a residential care facility for men currently overcoming drug and alcohol addiction that's based in downtown Little Rock out of our downtown New Life Church. Uh, and we, we have a blast with it, man. We, we love it. Uh, all of our guys are here today. Uh, they're not wearing any specific uniforms, so y'all got drug addicts everywhere. Uh, you don't know where they're at. So, uh, But the good news is, is that uh, they're in Christ now. And, and I'm gonna tell you, like one of the most powerful things in the world is when you take somebody that recognizes that they're a sinner and they're saved by grace, and then you release them into the kingdom with a godly mission. Look, I'm telling you, there is something about drug addiction that is so powerful. And here's the thing, man. Anything that the enemy uses for harm, you know what? God will use it for good, right? Like the enemy tried to kill you, but, but Jesus, man. Like, like that's it. And so we, uh, we get to hang out with radical people. Uh, we're radical ourselves. Uh, you know, we, we got one speed. It's just what direction are we pointed in. <laughs> uh, there, there's, no, there's no in between. Like there's no wondering how they're doing. Like you either know or you don't. Uh, I tell people all the time, the, the reason that I... Uh, have to be a pastor and an addiction recovery minister is because that's the only other alternative. Uh, if not, I, I'm going to be in a ditch somewhere incarcerated, and I already know that. Uh, but my lovely wife, Ashley, uh, she pastors right alongside me. Uh, one day, in Jesus' name, we'll have a women's facility. Uh, we keep praying that into existence. There's Ashley. Uh, she's the one on front, not in the white. I think leopard might be the color that she's in. And uh, what she's doing right now, she sends her regrets um, because she is actually hosting a life relaunch retreat. Uh, life relaunch is a ministry that we do. Um, basically, what, what life relaunch is is some of you, was any of the women at Women Conference? Woman Conference? All right, yeah, yeah. Give, give me, give me the obligatory woo, like whatever. Yeah, I can't even get my registry that high. Like it's just, it doesn't work. Like I do horrible female impersonations. Like it's just not my jam. Uh, but a woman conference this year, uh, if you guys know, every year you pick a, uh, a, a charity or, or, or a cause to get behind. And this year you guys got behind my wife. And, uh, and so what she's doing is she's taking uh, a group of ladies through this freedom retreat. Uh, and it's about the most pastoring that you can accomplish from freedom in a weekend ever. And uh, so we hope to continue to be doing that. And you guys will get a report on this uh, coming up at Woman Conference. So hopefully you guys will attend. I've already uh, witnessed the slide. We got one person back. You got to be on the committee. Look, I'm just saying, like, where, wherever that lady is, find her after service and she will get you connected with Woman Conference. Uh, but anyway, uh, at MAT, you guys know that I'm not going to come up here without sharing some stories, some victories. Because look, here's what you guys need to know. This is your church that's doing this. And so all of the stories that we have that we celebrate and all the freedom that, that, that these men are finding in Christ and that their families are finding in Christ and the home churches that they're getting plugged in and rooted into as opposed to addiction, the ministries they're starting, it's your church. Like, your church is doing this. And so, like, we want to share it with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Give it up. I love this church. I really do. Um, and, and so this is Carlos, man. Uh, I, I, I got a praise report from Carlos. Daniel Ramos is a pastor of NLC Espanol. 
Uh, some of you guys may or may not know our church has a Spanish-speaking campus. Uh, how cool is that, you know? And, uh, and so we, uh, we have that. It's located actually at the original New Life Church building in downtown Conway. Uh, but Daniel uh, Ramos and his wife, they, they pastor it. And uh, whenever we took Carlos in the very beginning, uh, we said, Daniel, we said, we don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Well, Carlos, he's bilingual, but his family, uh, they, they don't speak Spanish. And so we said, so everything that we do, we're going to have to have you involved. And, uh, and because we don't just feel like that if focusing on the man is effective, uh, we feel like that you need to focus on the entire family. Like, because in addiction, uh, there, there's more than just the man. You've got the spouse, you've got the mother, like you've got the father. And, and if you want uh, this real holistic approach, you have to pastor them all well. And so Daniel, he accepted the, the task. And man, over a year ago, we graduated Carlos. And uh, since then, he's been an usher uh, at NLC Espanol, uh, been a faithful member, uh, not to mention uh, his dad and his mom were baptized. And so if you can see his father baptizing his mother in that picture, uh, this is beautiful. And uh, just his dad's story, the fact that he was homeless on the streets of Mexico when he was an orphan. Uh, and just if you just hear these guys' stories, uh, it's something that only God can be responsible for because it is true redemption and true victory. And we just love Carlos and are super proud of him. Uh, the other story, oh, this is so cool. Uh, what you guys, you're gonna need a little explanation in this as well. So Blake Bisbee, um, I was the only person in our entire ministry that wanted to take him. Uh, everyone else was so against it. And I say this because they thought he was too far gone. Uh, Blake was living in Stuttgart and uh, he was living with, uh, with his elderly grandmother, drinking himself to death in oblivion. Anyway, something moved in our heart and we don't, we don't typically do this. We went and picked this guy up from his grandmother's house twice to try to get him into M18. And so we felt so called. But the first time he showed up to M18, he was wearing a suit jacket, which is commendable. Um, but he uh, had tried to wash it the night before. And so he threw it in the, in the washing machine and dumped Tide laundry detergent all over it, um, but then neglected to actually start the cycle. And so the next morning picks it up out of the laundry, throws on the laundry detergent coverage suit jacket uh, and shows up at New Life in downtown Little Rock, drunk as a skunk. And, uh, but since then he ended up participating in M18, uh, found the Lord in a very real way, stayed in our phase two program, reconciled with his wife, moved back home with his wife, his children, uh, and was doing phenomenal, holding down a full-time job, loving the Lord with all of his heart. And now he's incarcerated. Whoa, <laughs> what happened? Well, turns out he actually had some pending charges before he ever uh, come into M18 that he had restitution for it. But this is the coolest thing. What he's doing in that picture right there is he's actually leading a Bible study at M18 Recovery for the residents that are currently in the program, right? Like, does anyone else think that's the coolest story ever? Like, even though that he had to pay for the, the, the restitution for what he had done in the past, uh, he's still keeping Christ with him uh, and still leading people to the Lord. Uh, he actually was talking to a guy, uh, led him to the Lord in county, uh, and the guy was looking at getting baptized. And so God needs people in every corner of society that are sold out devoted followers of him, right? So uh, let's get to the message. Today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. Uh, we, we've actually been going through the book of Matthew, and it's a really cool book. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite accounts of the gospel. And uh, Matthew, he was a phenomenal uh, writer at what uh, he did. He was a, a tax collector, and uh, you can just see the way that he writes and how it just the style permeates through it. But uh, well, the title of the message today is going to be When Jesus Comes to Dinner. 
In that, we're going to be walking through the, uh, the call of Matthew. Um, Jesus, he called Matthew uh, and, and then went over to his house and had dinner. I was literally thinking in my seat, uh, I didn't share this first service, but I was thinking about like, what type of preparation do you do? to prepare for Jesus to come into your house, you know? Like, I, I can see my wife, like, you know, cleaning, you got DJ Roomba, like, running around. Like, we got kids scrubbing with toothbrushes, and me, I'm just propped up going, he already knows how dirty we are, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, come on, like, her, read the word. Like, he, he tells us he already knows. Uh, but there's got to be an amount of preparation, but I was also thinking about some of the most important dinners that I've ever attended. And, uh, I was thinking about one time when I was a kid, uh, one of the most memorable moments um, whenever I was a child of dinner. Uh, we, my mom worked at a company called Townsend. It was a big poultry company. And uh, we, we would always get to go to the Poultry Federation's like national conference, uh, which was held in the resort city of Hot Springs. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was not, not too big of a build up there. But we, uh, we would always have these fancy dinners. And uh, I remember one time that I knew you had made it whenever you eat at a dinner and the fish still has the eyes. You know, just like to let you know that, that your food is, uh, it, it, it knows what you're doing. And uh, after that, we went to a concert, uh, Garth Brooks. They actually had Garth Brooks, and uh, then the next year he became famous. And it's probably safe to say uh, that that's the only time he ever played in Hot Springs Convention Center. But uh, I was there, and it was phenomenal. And uh, after that, I was just thinking about other dinners that, that I had this past week. We had lunch at the, uh, the governor's mansion. Uh, the first lady, Susan Hutchinson, she... Uh, got one of our residents into the program. He was an inmate that worked at the governor's mansion and uh, she was instrumental in uh, helping him get to us. And so we took him back to visit. And uh, as we're visiting, uh, we have lunch, we're walking through the garden. I just thought it was cool. We go into the governor's mansion and uh, Asa was sitting there making a sandwich. I mean, no joke. Like that's just what happened. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no more than that. We stepped by, he got on a plane. I don't know, but, uh, but it, it was pretty neat being in the gubernatorial kitchen, you know, just sitting there with Asa and a sandwich. But uh, I, I think that uh, the most important for me when I think about dinner that, that I've ever had was uh, when I met Pastor Rick. And uh, it, it's just, it, some of you guys know a little bit about my story. Um, I, I was at John 316 Ministries, a spiritual boot camp, men with drug and alcohol addiction. And Pastor Rick actually met me in rehab. And uh, that day that he met me, we uh, broke bread together and he poured into my life. And, uh, and that day, God revealed to me that there, there was a door that could be opened. Like, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to pursue Christ with all my heart, uh, but I didn't really know which direction to go in. And so Rick showed up at John 3.16. God showed me there was a door that was open, and he didn't tell me what it was going to take to open it or how long it was going to take. All he told me was to open it. And so that's what I've been doing ever since, right? And, and, and the, the importance of that is to know that whenever God calls you, he doesn't always give you the details, right? Like, like he'll let you know what you need to do. He'll speak to your heart. Like Rick never told me what he wanted me to do or any of this. It was just something that God showed me. And he said, work this way, move in this direction, align your life so that everything you do revolves around opening this door. And that's what my wife and I have been doing. And since then, we've watched the vision that we have. We've watched it grow. We've watched it shift. We've watched it change. We've watched it come into fruition. Like we, we've got to watch all that. But, but it took following after the dream and after the vision that God had given us. Uh, but the most important dinner that I've ever had possibly could have been that day. And we're going to read about the most important dinner that Matthew, uh, that he ever had. So whenever Jesus come to eat with Matthew, it was monumental. 
Like it was a life-changing experience. Could you imagine having Jesus over into your home and allowing him to speak directly into your life, right? Like that's what happened with Matthew. It's a story about second chances. In, in Matthew, you think about who Jesus is to him. It's the Lord and Savior. Well, that's also who Jesus is to us. Like you read about these stories in the Bible and sometimes I think that we can get lost and, and we don't necessarily realize that the reason that we read about these stories in the Bible is to reveal to us the character of God. Why? Because it's never changing. Like the same God that was there with Matthew, the same Christ, that's the same as Jesus is today. And so we're not reading about what Jesus did. We're reading about what Jesus does. Like everything that we read in the Bible is just as applicable today as it was then. And so let's look at this. In Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13, I'm gonna read this encounter, uh, several short verses. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call the righteous, not the sinner, or for not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So what can we learn from this encounter? First and foremost, I, I read this and I think we have to follow. Like we must get up and follow. When Jesus calls, we are forced to make a decision. Are we gonna follow or are we not? Like there's no middle line here. In verse nine, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Personally, I don't like being followed. I don't know about you guys. Like I see the cops behind me instantaneously. I'm like, ooh, like what are they doing? They're probably gonna pull me over and give me another seatbelt ticket. Like, I don't know why. Like I, every time that they get behind me, I'm just like, oh, click, no, I'm kidding. I, I try to wear my seatbelt a lot, but every time that I don't, they get behind me. It's just a, a matter of nature. And then also I have two kids under three. Any parents in here? Like kids just follow you. Like it's crazy. Like you, you can be walking and then like you stop and then like a kid just bumps into you and then, and then you can hear the other one thud up against the other one. It's just like this, this train that runs around. Like I have to lock the door when I go in the bathroom. If not, I'll be sitting there and a kid will be trying to pop their head under my legs. Like I, I don't even know what's going on, but it's just the craziest thing ever. And here's what I wanna tell you guys. That's the opposite of what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to follow him. Like Jesus wants us to follow so closely that if he stops, we stop, you know? Like he wants us to bump into him. He's okay with that completely. But see, Jesus, he wants us to follow closely, but we have to answer the call. Like when he says to follow me, we have to make the decision on whether or not that's what we're gonna do. But uh, Matthew, I think it's really neat. You see, uh, he says, he saw a man named Matthew, right? And so Matthew, it didn't, Matthew's writing this. And so Matthew doesn't say, I saw Jesus and uh, all of a sudden I, I thought that that was a good idea uh, and that I would start following him. That wasn't the case at all. Like Jesus saw him. Jesus called him much in the same way that Jesus is calling you. Like he knew who Matthew was. 
Like Matthew was the scum of the earth in the Jews' eyes. Like Matthew was a tax collector. What a tax collector would do is they would extort money out of the Jews, their own people, uh, for, for Romans' gain. And, and not only that, but they would take more taxes than they were supposed to so that they could line their own pockets. And so you had this wealthy faction of Jews that were tax collectors, and they looked at them as the scum of the earth. But what Jesus is saying is, I see you, and I know you, and I'm still calling you. I pick you, right? I mean, Matthew, there's absolutely no hope for him without Christ. No hope whatsoever. But he answers. He goes after him. You see, here's something that we all need to know is that Jesus knows every single thing about you. He knows every detail in your life and he loves you anyway, right? Like my life, I look back at the past list of sins that I have and holy cow, when Paul said he was the chief of sinners, I don't even wanna see that dude's resume, right? Like I know the thoughts that I have, I know the things that I have to crucify on a daily basis, like I know the things that I've had to overcome in my life, but you know what? I answered the call. That's where we all have to get. Like it's not about feeling worthy, it's about accepting the one who is, right? Like, like you can't clean yourself up enough to come to Christ. Like you are never, your righteousness is as filthy as rags, right? Like, like there is no amount of righteousness that you have in your life that's gonna be worthy, but it's about accepting the one who is. So Matthew, what did he do? He got up and followed him. Was happy to do it. Uh, I had an encounter with God one time. I, I was uh, completely agnostic and uh, I didn't believe at all. It's okay to say that, right? Like, don't, don't lie about it. Just because you profess with your lips, like, that doesn't mean that it's accurate. Like, if you've got some disbelief in your heart, like, openly talk about it, right? Like, at least then God can work with that. And, and so I support it, man. If you don't believe, let me know. I told my mom, I said, hey, I don't believe. Well, I had a radical encounter uh, with God. And, uh, and I remember the last thing that was spoken to me was it said, whenever you came in here, it said, you thought you knew everything. It said, doesn't it feel good to know you were wrong? You know what I mean? Like, how cool is that? Like, I was wrong. Like, God is real, and he does have a plan, and he does have a purpose, and he wants to radically change. But what's he waiting on? He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to accept the call. When he says, follow me, he's waiting on you to take that up. But in contrast, Jesus, whenever he tells Matthew to follow him, Matthew got up, followed him instantaneously. Uh, and then in Luke chapter 9, there's a completely different story. Jesus, he uh, calls another man, and he said to him, he said, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Sounds reasonable, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable request. But then later, another man, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Once again, seems like a fairly reasonable request, but listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow, this is Jesus's take on these statements. And watch this, it sounds mean, right? But Matthew, he didn't do this. Matthew went right after him, but there's also a, a, an oxymoron in this if you think about it. It's like, Lord, it's like saying, whatever you say something, Lord, like a lot of us are unfamiliar with lordship, right? Like, like we're in the free world, like we, we're our own lords, like we, we, we wanna be God of our own universe, like we wanna do what we wanna do when we wanna do it. We want what we want, we want it yesterday, not even right now, like I should already have it. And so that's the mentality sometimes that I have to crucify on a regular basis. But whenever you say, Lord, hang on a second. 
I mean, that's the opposite of lordship, right? You're saying, hey, Lord, let me be Lord, <laughs> right? Like, I wanna hand in on this, but God is saying, follow me. He's saying, do it how I say do it. Don't do it how you can rationalize it in your mind. And Matthew gets this right. He dropped everything and followed him. He literally, he abandoned his job, his lifestyle, his old friend group. He just left, he went and followed him. And I think the reason that he did this is because he knows that the greatest days in your life are gonna come whenever you abandon some things that aren't from God. Like he knew that, like there was something inside of him because I know this, I know the feeling. There was something inside of him that was like, goodness gracious, like I've got all the money in the world, I've got relationships, I've got sex, I've got women, I've got all these things that, that, that you say you have to have in order to be happy, but there's something inside of me that's missing. And he was waiting. He was relieved when God called him and said to set all this stuff down and come chase after me because he knew something was about to be different. God put that there inside of them. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, there's some people probably even sitting in this room that are just waiting on an excuse to get rid of everything and follow after Christ with all their heart. What happens though is like the men in Luke chapter nine, we try to rationalize with it. We think that there's a task list of stuff that has to happen before we can ever come to know Christ, but there's not. You follow after him and let him sort out the details. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say that if Jesus is really Lord of your life, that you can probably point to some things that you've had to walk away from. If you can't, I don't know. If you've never sacrificed anything for God, if you've never had to set any of your desires down and say, not my will, but yours be done. Because there was a time in my life in which I wanted God as a savior, but I never accepted him as Lord. He wants you to follow after him and let him sort out the rest. All right, number two, from this passage of scripture, we can answer the question, what should you take with you? So if Jesus calls you, like, what, what do you take? What, what, what would you take with you? And, and in verse 10, we see this, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. All right, let's unpack that. Matthew, he brought a couple things from his old life. The first thing that I think that we could safely say, he brought his pen. What do I mean by that? He wrote the book of Matthew, right? Like he, he brought something with him. He, he, he brought a skill set. Could you write the book of Matthew? I can't. Like you couldn't read it if it did. <laughs> but, but Matthew, he had this skill set. He had this gift. Not only was he inspired by the Holy Spirit, but at some point in time, he had to have the ability to write this down. And so how does that apply to us today? Each one of you, God has given a skill set. He's given you a character. He's given you all types of, of talents that, that you have buried inside of you. He made you, you to be you, right? Like, like a lot of people in recovery, especially, that's my, that's my jam, if you guys haven't noticed, uh, uh, ex-centered, meth addict, saved by grace. But God, he wants to utilize the giftings that he's given me. I tell people all the time, be you. Everyone else is already taken. Like if you try to be somebody completely different, you're never gonna be successful. But if you just try to be you for Christ, that's where God wants you. The unique giftings that he has given you, he wants to pull those out so that you can utilize them for his kingdom and his glory. Uh, an amazing story, we'll put this on the, the slide, not really, but it's a testimony that's untold yet. Uh, after I got off stage a second ago, somebody from your congregation uh, came and gave me a huge hug and started ugly crying, man. I thought I might even have a snot bubble on my jacket sleeve. Like, it, it, but 
it, it was something that was said within the service that we were talking about. And, and it was about my journey and struggle with drug addiction. And, uh, and so what did he say? He said he wanted help. And so within two phone calls, we got him help. And hopefully he's on his way to treatment right now. And so I don't care if you guys are blessed or not. I've already been blessed today. And I know whatever I've come to do, that was part of it. And so we're I mean, how cool is that? But it's, it's about us being us and about us sharing our story and about us being comfortable with who God made us. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm your everyday local rehab pastor. Like if you just need something random, like you could call somebody else. But if you got an alcoholic in your basement or a tweaker in your attic, like I'm your man. <laughs> it took a while to be okay with that, right? Like, like we have to be comfortable in who we are because whenever you come to a church like New Life and everyone is so stinking talented, man. Like everybody, if you start comparing yourself to other people, it will paralyze you, right? Like it'll keep you from even taking steps in the right direction. You're like, well, I could never lead a life group like Tim Doolin, or I could never MC like Ricky Tomboli, or I could never ride a bike like James Bennett, you know? Like I, all these things, like I, I, I always think about, it. I'm like, I am not the best looking. I am not the greatest communicator. I am certainly not the wealthiest. I'm not the spirit filled. I am certainly not the holiest, like, but you know what? I love God with all my heart and I'm gonna openly embrace my addicted past because there's some people out there that need to hear it. And I want you guys to put yourself in that. You might not be all the best and the great, that's pride. God wants to use you right where you're at. Look, I'm telling you, God can use each and every single thing that you think that you have in your life that nobody, nobody needs to know about. I'm telling you, that's what God wants to use, but that's those talents and giftings. So second, he took his influence. This is an important one. You see, right off the bat, he throws a party with a bunch of sinners. I've threw a couple of those, but I didn't invite Jesus. Like, I'm just saying, it's a past, past lifestyle. I'm not telling y'all to go riot to something, you know what I mean? Don't pick up kegs when his liquor store opens tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor told me to throw a party with a bunch of sinners in it. Like, no, you're missing the point. So Jesus... He showed up at Matthew's house and he's got all these sinners and these tax collectors and these people that are there. But look, they're people that Jesus, I mean, he has the ability, let's not put God in a box, but he needed Matthew to utilize his influence in order to bring them in, right? And I promise you, when people, they look at Matthew and they say, wow, I knew that dude. This new message that he has is nothing like the last one. And they can see that radical change in people's lives. And people will see it in yours if you'll allow them. But look, I, I, whenever I say this, I'm not saying go just hang out with a bunch of sinners. That's not it at all. Because bad company corrupts good morals, right? Like we teach that all the time at MAT. And I always say that if you are a snowman, you need to have a different disposition to the bar, like to the desert, right? And the same as like we as addicts, we don't need to be hanging out bars, stuff like that, because like we're tempted. It says to help your brother, but be careful lest you may fall. And so I'm not saying go hang out with a bunch of sinners, but what I am saying is that somebody has got to go out and reach the lost. And so inviting them into a safe space to have an encounter with Jesus, that's what you have to do, right? And so what did Matthew do? He invited all the sinners to, to his house in order to have a dinner so that they could have an encounter with Christ. And so how does that apply to us today? As pastors at New Life Church, we vow to do what you can't if you'll do what we can't. What does that even mean? If you will invite your friends, your family, your coworkers, the cashier at Kroger, the checker at Walmart, whatever, the person who door dashes groceries to your house, like if you will invite 
the people that are in your sphere of influence to church, here's what we'll do. We'll provide an atmosphere of prayer, an atmosphere of worship. We'll provide a word from God, a place where you can become discipled. We will provide a space in which that your friends, family, relatives, loved ones, and acquaintances can come into contact with the presence of the living God, right? And like when you start doing that, it will become so addictive. Like whenever you get your testimony harnessed down to where that it's almost uncomfortable for about 30 seconds, but then somehow you've opened up this crazy door to talk about God, uh, it's amazing. I'm talking like I will push my way into just about anywhere and say, hey, I used to shoot meth. I don't anymore. Jesus saved me. Do you want to talk about it? And they're sitting there like, 53 cents? Like, I, I don't even... I don't even know, uh, but, but one of the coolest places that I ever get to talk about God is it just opens the door up on its own. As I am all brazen to talk about, I used to be an IV drug user and I've developed scar tissue around uh, some of the veins in my arms. And so whenever I go to give blood, uh, they have to go in extra hard, you know? And, but it's the coolest thing ever because here's the deal. God saved me from that, and so I always get to share with the nurse that's doing it. And 90% of the time, you know what that nurse says? well, I've got a son that struggles or I've got, I've got a husband or hey, 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 let me, let, me, let me go get Sharon. I was just praying with her this morning and, and her, son's, her son-in-law's out there. And, and can we talk to you about this? It's amazing what will happen whenever you will allow God to use your story for his glory. Every one of you have, I mean, you don't have to have had a meth lab in your basement or put acid in your eyes to have a testimony. Like each one of you have a unique story in your life that God can use, right? You have to figure out what that is and then use it just like Matthew. All right, so who do you invite? It's the hungry. The people that are starving. They're easy to spot. I always joke around whenever somebody says, hey, we'd like to feed M18. I'm like, yeah, we got 24 guys. They show up, there's only 12. And they're like, well, I thought you said you had 24. I'm like, just wait. <laughs> They'll consume it, I promise. <laughs> but they're starving, not only with food, but also spiritually, right? And, and so they, it, God says that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, like you will be filled. And so people are, are craving stuff. Whenever you run into people that, that you can just tell that they're lost and that they're hopeless, like do you just walk by or, or, or do you actually say, hey, you know what? I got a great church that, that, that we would love to have you. One of the coolest places is whenever we're out eating, uh, there, there's a big group of us that we're all cutting up, laughing, having a good time, things church folks really aren't supposed to be doing, right? But, but we're there and, and the, the waitress is like, oh my gosh, like you guys seem so much fun. Like, where did you guys meet? Oh, well, glad you asked, you know? Not, not only are we a part of a church, but we live right down there and uh, we, you know, uh, worship there and we tip well, you know? Like we're just going against all the grain for the churches today. But find places that you can minister and disciple to people and then get them to church. All right, third thing. We have to admit that I'm the one that's sick. We have to get there, right? Each and every one of us have got to understand our sin conditions. So in Matthew, he writes, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For what? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, before we dive into this, like, just take a look at this. Jesus is sitting there, and he is teaching to a group of the lowest of the low. 
but it doesn't compromise his holiness. Like Jesus can be around sinners, but he's still holy. Like he doesn't adapt and conform to, to the things of the world for approval. Like he is who he is unapologetically. He's incredibly graceful with everything that he does, but he never bends or compromises his values. Like the sin doesn't shock him. Like he's not like just offended or sitting on the edge of a seat or like looking around seeing if somebody's stealing something. Like, I mean, he legitimately is caring about their souls, but he knows how to do it in a manner that is upright and righteous. During the days of COVID, uh, I, I remember whenever it was prevalent, we uh, or way more prevalent, uh, it was like if you would cough, uh, you, you, you would have to give like a detailed explanation as to why you cough. Like, it, it, it's like that we were had such a, such a hyper awareness of, of sickness, you know, that you're like, oh, I promise it's cornbread, like sucked it down my throat. <laughs> oh, no, no, get out of here. And the next thing you know, you, you pull that little thermometer and you're poking it at your forehead. You're like 94.6 and you change the batteries five times a day, trying to get it to say something other than 94. And you're like, oh yeah, you, you're, you're a zombie, but you know, you don't have COVID. Like, like those things were accurate. Just me, am I the only one? Yeah, those things were highly inaccurate, but we had a heightened awareness of sickness, right? That's what God wants us to have. Like he wants us to be aware of the human condition and who we are because we desperately need him. See, Jesus, he'll show up in people's lives, but they first have to recognize their need for a savior. Like they have to be able to tell Jesus, I'm not okay. Like I'm hopeless without you. And we see this. Think, think about this though. Okay, what offensive language would it be if nowadays we were eating with Jesus and, and he called us all sick, all sinners. Like, you know, you don't wanna throw a chicken leg at him. You know what I mean? You're like, get this dude out of here, right? But Jesus, he, he uses this language because he wants us to be aware of who we are in relation to him and how far we miss the mark every day and that we can't do it without him, right? Like, like he wants us to be in constant dependence. Scripture says that if we live a life controlled by the spirit, like that's when we're not gonna gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's, that's moment by moment. Because you can in one moment be living a life controlled by the spirit and then the next, a life gratifying the flesh. And it's like, we have to constantly be dependent upon God for this. But Jesus, you don't need him to affirm your sins, right? Like you, you don't need him to say, oh, it's okay, it's fine. Or you, you don't need him to minimize them. Like, oh, your sins are okay. Like they're not near as bad as somebody else's. What you need is you need Jesus to do exactly what he does. And that's to say, I'm here for the sick. I am here for the sinner. I am here for you. Like you need to know that. God is here for you. Whenever we were still sinners, he still died for us. There is no way that you can clean yourself up enough to come to Christ. You have to do what Matthew did and that's follow him and let him sort out the details. There's a word in Hebrew and it's the word has said. Uh, H-E-S-E-D, and uh, it's used over 250 times in the Old Testament, and uh, you'll see it translated a lot. Uh, many words such as mercy, compassion, love, grace, faithfulness, uh, all, all these uh, are, are come from the root word has said, but there's not really a good English translation for this word. Um, literally, it, there, there's like, it's like an action word as well, uh, because has said, it's not just like an emotion or like a feeling, um, but it actually involves an action on behalf of someone who's in need. So like, like feel that. So when, whenever, whenever God is talking about mercy, when God's talking about love, when God's talking about compassion, it's literally 
talking about that particular characteristic or trait being activated upon need. And so whenever we reach out to God and we admit the nature of our brokenness that has said, it comes into play and it activates something inside God that shows us the divine compassion, the design, mercy, divine mercy. It shows us all these things, but we have to first admit the nature of our wrongdoing and call for it. See, the 23rd Psalm, it actually gives a really good example of this word has said, and I'm gonna read this and just, just listen. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there, that word, when it talks about goodness and mercy, it's that word is said. So when we come to Christ and we admit our brokenness, it activates something in God. And then mercy and goodness and compassion and kindness and love, it follows us wherever we go for all the days of our life. It's like something happens. It's like God unleashes the hounds of heaven and they're on us. And no matter where we go, no matter how far we feel like that we've drifted, they're right there on our heels. If we will make the choice and decision to follow God and admit our brokenness, it should change us, right? Like there should never be a time in your life in which that you come into the presence of Christ and you're the same. Like we played that song with uh, the Transfiguration. It's on my playlist. I have a very short playlist of 20 songs that never changes. It drives my wife crazy, but they work, you know? And, uh, and so I love it, but that's one of the songs that's on there. And there's that verse that says, I'm changing, I'm changing still. And I look upon the Lord and believe. Like whenever we look at God, for who he is. And we'll just continue to just fix, fix our gaze on him and like just look at him in all circumstances and situations, accept his grace whenever we fall short, but allow him to work in our lives and accept the call and say, Lord, I wanna follow you. I know I'm never gonna be perfect, but I'm going to follow you and I'm gonna give it my all. And I'm not gonna worry about all the things that the world says that I have to care about, but instead I'm just gonna seek after you and what your will is it for my life. That's where you're gonna find peace that's where you're gonna find happiness. That's where you're gonna find joy. And it's not gonna be joy like the world gives, which is temporary and fleeting. It's gonna be the peace and the joy that Christ gives, which is irreplaceable. Well, guys, I wanna pray for you today. And so if we can just, everybody, bow our heads and keep our eyes closed, I wanna respect this moment for everyone. If you are here today and you feel like the, the Jesus said, follow me, and maybe you didn't. Or maybe you did for a season and then somehow you got off track. It's okay. It doesn't surprise him. God called me in 2004 and it took me being arrested in 2013 before I ever answered him and said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Today can be the day. 
If you're here and you want to realign your life with the will of God, whether it be for the first time or the hundredth time, please just slip your hand up right now. I would love to know who I'm praying for. I see you, 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 I see you. Absolutely no shame in this. Here recently, my wife and I, we've taken a 40-day period in which that we're fasting uh, till lunch every single day, and it's a symbol of realignment. I think we all need to rededicate our life every now and then and say, Lord, I'm still with you if you're still with me, and I know you're still with me. And so, Heavenly Father, God, we just pray right now, Lord, that every single person that raised their hand and the people that are really just thinking it in their heart, that maybe don't even have the courage to raise their hand, God, we just pray that you'll just realign us, Lord, just spiritual chiropractics, God. Just give us a good realignment, Lord, so that we are no longer inundated with the thoughts and the things of the world uh, that, that can really just bombard our mind, Lord, but instead just fill us full of heavenly thoughts, God, and just show us how to continually rely upon your spirit day in and day out, God. Uh, we pray this and we're expecting, God. Uh, we don't just pray in vain, Lord. Uh, I, I pray that every person that's raised their hand today, God, uh, that you will honor that, Lord, and that you will put them on a path that, that they can walk down, God, one that's clear, one that's visible. And one thing that I pray, Lord, is I pray that you will not allow the enemy to take the ground that you have made today, God. I just want everyone here to know that the, the power that they felt today, that's from the Holy Spirit, God, and that you are there with them and that you want to walk them down this, this journey, Lord, and, and that no one is ever gonna just ace it or get it right, God, but you are there and it doesn't surprise you, Lord. But the enemy is gonna try whenever people walk out this door to, to whisper in their ear, God, that that, that that never happened, that that wasn't real. That, that you didn't really feel that way or that you're never gonna make it. And I just want the people that are in this room to know that that is a lie from the enemy, from the pits of hell, God, and that you are there with us, Lord. And I just pray this prayer expecting in Jesus' name.